0: To screw it and press the button and now we oh. are live Madison Friedman. Thank Wonderful. you for coming on the podcast. Uh,
1: thank you so much Frank
0: Um, you're welcome. Or do I say thank you again? I don't know But we'll f-
1: Th- thank you both ways.
0: Okay, thank you this way and that way and this way and that way great now that that's out of the way You said you had some sort of a funny story about something. So, was-
1: um Yes, okay, so I uh, For the listeners at home. I am a jewish woman <laughs> um And I currently go to Christian school, which is not out of the ordinary because K through eight, I went to Catholic school and I got used to it. It was great. Um, All the teachers really liked me because I was one of the ones who was quiet and would not argue and would get good grades. So they liked those. Um, And I just, at the end of like middle school, they had like an eighth grade graduation sort of thing where they would give out awards. And I remember sitting in mass in the cathedral and i had like my little graduation thing on and i was just like staring at the ground and they had this one award which was the last one they gave out called the Saint Bartholomew award where they introduced it as like um too many filler words <laughs> oh no they introduced it as displaying the most catholic values throughout your time at San Carlos and i remember specifically two girls behind me being like you're gonna get it no you're gonna get it you're gonna get it you're just the most wonderful you're gonna get it which is you know irritating to Mm -hmm. hear
0: (laughs) and probably an indicator that neither of them are going to get it. Yeah.
1: and so I'm like staring at the floor because I was not expecting any awards I got a few for you know academic things and doing a lot of clubs because I did a lot of clubs I did yearbook and a few sports and I was the ecology club president and the vice president of ASB for two years But the St. Bartholomew Award, they, you know, gave this whole description where it was following the the values of Jesus Christ and modeling yourself after God in any way possible. And I just remember listening to it like, yep, the same stuff I hear every month at mass, (laughs) you know, like do this to be like a good Catholic. And so I was staring at the floor like I am the only Jew in the entire school. I will not be getting this. And I was just waiting to leave. And then they said, and the recipient of the St. Bartholomew Award is Madison Friedman. And I just about had an aneurysm. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did. said
0: the Lord's name in vain just to stick it to
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, the most notable thing about going to receive that award, I don't remember actually like getting it in my hands or anything like that, but I remember walking and getting the sleeve of my graduation gown snagged on a pew and just like tugging on it because I was anxious and all the parents were watching me and it was just like snagged on the pew And I was just kind of pulling it and being stupid and not like, you know, properly mm-hmm. releasing my arm
0: But you let retrospectively you can look back on that as some sort of statement that you yes. were making <laughs> About the incongruency of this award. So was yeah. was there so um, I remember when uh when you told the story in in the stand up routine right mm-hmm. you sort of implied that there was this connection between you and the person announcing the reward yes. that this is awkward for both of you yes so is there was there like was there some underlying like uh like tension or distance being a jew at a catholic school or was it like um totally i don't know
1: it was it was fine because they knew me since i was 5 years old and my sister went there as well from five years old to 13 years old and so I grew up in that little community and it was only 300 kids give or take the entirety of your time there like you would stay with the same 25 to 30 kids for those eight years you would have the same class schedule everything um and so all the teachers knew me as like the the one kid who was very like happy to be there and happy to learn and very cooperative
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so they all really liked me and then but there there was like the one thing where i was not catholic i was not christian mm-hmm. <laughs> and so i think it was very polarizing for their minds to be you know so thoroughly convinced that you know my sister went through it and she was a really good kid so they already had you know preconceived notions of me that they would like me which was very handy um Thank you Courtney if you're listening to this you're not but thank you (laughs) Um, so they all really liked me in in the sense that they I've already said this that they just like cooperative kids at Catholic schools yeah and so I think it was just uh, fun for me and troubling for them that the only kid who they most consistently liked throughout those eight years was the only Jewish kid in the
0: school (laughs) okay but most of most of the Bible is is just Jewish stuff, <laughs> right? It's almost the same thing. you believe that a savior's or, I, you Judaism believes that a savior's mm-hmm. gonna happen. They believe that it's already happened. like mm-hmm. it's not all that out of line. You would think that I don't know, maybe maybe there is there all that much tension between Christians and Jews, or am I uh, am I overestimating the amount of anti-Semitism in Christianity?
1: I think the anti-Semitism comes much more from like, the you know very um just like people who would be racist Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: um (laughs) for the listeners at home before we started the podcast we had a whole conversation about filler words and how i was raised in catholic school to not say filler words and now they are half of what i'm saying but we carry on yes uh i think it's you know people like like you know the i'm gonna say rednecks even though i know many people from the south who are just wonderful wonderful people but you you know the type like yeah. uh confederate flag waving awful people um not that well yeah i was gonna say not that the confederate flag is inherently evil but it is <laughs> you know there's been some some talk about that in in twitter where it's like the confederate flag wasn't you know always equivalent to slavery Like, yes it is calm down put your flag down um <laughs> um So, yeah, the anti-Semitism just stems from ignorance and less from Christianity, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that Catholics really appreciate, like, ceremonial things and beautiful things more than, like, non-Catholic Christians. And so Judaism has a lot of that, too, where they have very, like, beautiful ceremonies and very, um, you know, meaningful songs and meaningful procedures. And I think we share that. Um, I wasn't raised Jewish as like a religion it was just it's just like in my genetics which i think people a lot of people sometimes don't understand that yeah. uh judaism and being jewish are two different things but um i don't have any religious leanings
0: mm-hmm. really in particular yeah and and there is the whole the jews killed jesus thing but like somebody had to kill him <laughs>
1: jesus was jewish <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jesus no, it's like Jewish. part of the whole Jesus thing is that he's going to get killed. Yes. So they were the kind thing. of actually helping. I
1: know. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like If you think about it.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Good. We did you a favor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, no, I'm I'm a I'm a non non Jewish, non Christian. So I'm just kind of like, mm hmm. <laughs> yes. So, talk it out, everybody. <laughs>
1: carry on. Carry on. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Judaism, yes, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool thing.
1: Pretty cool thing. Yeah, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, there are some um, conflicts with uh, Muslim people, but for the most part, every Jewish person I've ever met has been majoritarily liberal and just really, really nice people. Really, borderline hippies. In um, they're more like civil rights sense, less economic sense, but uh, you know, they they just tend to vote liberal and they tend to be not racist and just very good people not not that not being mm-hmm. liberal makes you a bad person because it doesn't uh, but you know they just they just tend to be really good people and tend to really think about equality
0: yeah anti-semitism has always confused me because it just must be a pain to coordinate <laughs> like imagine <laughs> like you're you know uh, Amy Rosenthal yes you're driving your kids to soccer practice and mm-hmm. then you get a phone call
1: Bold of you to think a you... Jewish child would ever be in a sport <laughs>
0: okay. they're they're they're, they're uh, taking they're taking extra effort to infiltrate the normal people. Yes, and they get a call. She gets a call from her from her husband. Uh, you know, Abe, yeah, uh, Abe Rosenthal, and he's like, "We've got an emergency meeting today at six. She's like, yeah. "What? We can, can we not go? No, Benjamin Netanyahu says it's really important. <laughs> we have to show up." <laughs> Big plans have changed. We're we're facing we're facing more and more resistance from the from the whoever else and blah blah blah. And she's like, look, I I, I, I just have to get I. Uh, Come on, Seth. Uh, Jewish, yeah, I just I just have to get Seth to soccer, and then I can come. She's like, you can't be late. Can you be there by six? She's like, it's five forty. Soccer practice is at six.
1: It's five forty, Abe. I can't be there by six. Oh my, it's
0: five forty. <laughs> and so they, and so she's like, okay, fine. Look, you're, you're you're gonna get ex, you're gonna get excommunicated if you don't show up to this meeting. And so she drives over to this. She diverts from soccer practice to go to the Santa Cruz County, yes. Uh, secret Jewish meeting that they have at some big building, and. <laughs> Then like the, you know they they've got a bunch of food and everything and everyone sits down and they've got a big Skype call with all of with all of the new world order Jewish yes. people like can you can you imagine how much of a pain that would be to to secretly rule the world?
1: <laughs> yes. Um.
0: Yes. So, so wait, what does that mean? Does that mean that you do? Did you have to miss a uh, secret world takeover meeting in order to come to this podcast?
1: Well, um, you know, the Illuminati loves to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. They they love to have their branches and everything But you know, I'm a, I'm a working woman. I'm striving for my career So sometimes I just have to be like, you know, yeah. you know, Mr. Triangle, you know, Mr. Oblique. I can't be there yeah. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I will be there next time. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. You're respected mm-hmm. It's all right. We understand
0: just don't like snitch on us to a public audience. Yeah life. No,
1: the, the lizard meme has been getting around too much just mm-hmm. the the more teens that are Keeping busy the better. <laughs> yeah By the way the lizard meme did stem from anti-semitic Values though. I will choose to ignore that because I think it's hilarious. That's
0: David Ike, right?
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah
0: He's the the originator of the whole uh, the whole reptilian. Yeah thing. <laughs> Which I I don't know I got this wrong I always heard that the reptilians were the actual uh, were the actual earthlings and that humans mm-hmm. are are like alien plants and uh, us uh, you know mammal mammals were aren't at the real earthlings which would imply that like just let the Reptilians do their thing. you know? Yeah,
1: let, let them chill. Yeah Yeah, have you ever seen um, return of the body snatchers?
0: No, I've seen that I've seen the one scene where the guy goes Ooh, That's it. I've seen <laughs> oh, that in like five million oh, video essays.
1: Just a fantastic movie. Okay, so there's um, This man who looks really Jewish is uh, just a, a um, I'm Jewish, I'm allowed to say that say this. He has a massive nose. He has a wonderful Afro, a wonderful Jufro. Hey. Um. <laughs> and he is just madly in love with this woman who is too beautiful for him. She is gorgeous. She's drop dead gorgeous. She is too pretty for him. And they work at the um, like a health inspection clinic. And um the whole premise of Return of the Body Snatchers is if you there are spoilers coming up. Um I don't know, skip to whatever minute. Unless you're watching live. Yeah. Uh, sorry for you guys. Or just
0: time travel.
1: Yeah, time travel. That'll work. Get in, get in touch with the Illuminati. I have some links. I can get you, like, a time turner. I don't know. But in Return of the Body Snatchers, um, there's, like, these little pods that come down to Earth, and they, like, grow like flowers, and you take them, and I, they never really explain how they, like, get inside you and take over your body, hence the name Return of the Body Snatchers, um... But it's implied that, like, either you you drink some of the pollen or you sniff it or anything, something like that. And then it, like, grows, like, a a, just wonderful practical effects in this movie. That they're, they would have, like, this whole cast of a human and it would, like, sprout out of this huge pod and it would be big and slimy. And it was just wonderful because, um, oh, I bonked, bonked the mic, sorry. But, um really really good movie and I you were talking about like oh the shape-shifting reptilians and just that you know um it just really reminded me of Return of the Body Snatchers and also if you want to see a dashing mid-twenties Jeff Goldblum please go watch Return of the Mm -hmm. Body Snatchers he is just wonderful I want to hold Jeff Goldblum's hand and I know that this is to the public and I hope Jeff Goldblum sees it I want to hold Jeff Goldblum's hand thank you
0: alright now we know (laughs)
1: yes
0: (laughs) isn't Return of the Body Snatchers some sort of uh McCarthy era commentary. Oh, definitely, definitely. But is it? Is it? Do they? Uh, are they paranoid about communists, or are they against the people okay. who are paranoid about communists?
1: There's two different versions. The one in the 50s is about communists, and then the one in the 70s is about McCarthyism and individualism.
0: Okay, so um, they flipped it on him.
1: Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because there's um, Jeff Goldblum's character is this like whacked out poet. And it's implied that he's always high, even though you never see him get high, because he's just lost in the sauce constantly. Um, and he is just wonderful. I, I just love Jeff Goldblum so much. I'm getting distracted you about Jeff I was, Goldblum. I was
0: trying to like get into a conversation about the uh, about you know r- the way that we retrospectively view history and yeah. about the different no, trends I, about communism <laughs> and politics in the I 1950s. I insist
1: that we talk about Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> but if you want to talk about individualism, let's get into
0: individualism. <laughs> No, I, I was just like, what? What was I gonna say? I don't know what I was like. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny that uh, like there was so, there was such a there were so many. Uh, no, never mind. That was gonna be stupid. Don't say it. Okay, but th- so theoretically, right? Let's just paint a hypothetical scenario. Okay. You uh, you work in Hollywood. You're okay. a screenwriter. Okay. And you're just fed up with capitalism. You know? As
1: I am now, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and uh, you know, do you you just wish for a, a better a better more egalitarian way of distributing uh, wealth and mm-hmm. goods among a populace?
1: Ooh, ooh, hold on! I have a tip. I have a tip for the viewers at home. Did you know that if you pour in a pound of sugar into two pounds of concrete, it can no longer be used? So, if you feel like stopping something that will be built, I just feel like passing the information along. I'm I'm not. I'm not promoting anything, I'm Mm -hmm. not promoting anarchy, wink wink, but just so you know, that concrete can no longer be used if you pour sugar into it. it has
0: gotta be a very inefficient way to cause mayhem.
1: Oh, but it's wonderful.
0: (laughs) Can you, you can probably make bombs with like sugar and a couple other things that would, like, do you really want to go for the, that's basically a prank.
1: Yeah, it would cost them so much money. Capitalism.
0: Okay, but how? Okay, so Dismantle how much? So what's the, the ratio? Man. What's the ratio between concrete and sugar that you need in order to? I believe it's to, one to two. One to two. There's a lot of concrete that goes into a major operation. That if you lost, yes. if you lost, uh, you know, ten gallons of concrete, then you wouldn't lose that much money. But so you've got so to have a much lot sugar of sugar. That
1: we're living in the United States of America. We have yes. a surplus of sugar.
0: Okay, but it's still... Okay, even then, (laughs) here's what I'm going to say to all of you uh, anarcho revolutionaryists out there, is that do you really want to have to huff all of those bags (laughs) of sugar around and go to the construction site at night, and then, like, bust (laughs) into the concrete mixer and be like, come on, quickly, before they see us, and then you have, like, It's what Malcolm X would have wanted. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, if... Okay, but what's a, okay, and now I now I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what's a better way to overthrow capitalism.
1: Ooh. Um
0: because I really no offense, but I don't think that sugar and concrete.
1: I know, I know. Um you could stop buying gas. You could um I think that's a big one. Oil and gas get um electric items which you have a nissan leaf good job You yes. step there
0: you're welcome frank earth hates hater.
1: capitalism
0: <laughs> you hate earth
1: you hate earth if you buy gas yes. i refuse to buy a car until it's electric that's why i had to be driven here thank mm-hmm. you
0: <laughs> um meanwhile all these electric cars are being manufactured in big old uh, factories that doesn't matter that spew a bunch it doesn't of-
1: matter just like how the not using straws is saving the earth
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't care how we manufacture the cars not using the gas will save the earth <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah
0: its it's, a, it's the <laughs> thought that counts.
1: It's the thought that counts. it's it's the um, romanticism of being facetious that I love <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, if you just like demonstrate to all the all the capitalists who yes. are like here and yes. then we're all here, right And then the capitalists are up here. Yes. If you just show them, hey, I don't like you, they're gonna be sad.
1: They're gonna be so sad. You don't
0: actually. actually have to like offset their whole economic scheme and everything. It's the psychological
1: long like, con. Hey,
0: you suck. And you then they'll be like, suck.
1: What? I think your cufflinks look like you bought them at Target. Ooh. Yeah.
0: You just insulted a capitalist with a capitalist insult. You're Take using that. their own games against Take them. Take that,
1: Bill Gates. I don't care about your $20,000 cufflinks. I think they came from the dollar section of Target. Take that.
0: Yeah. Bill Gates, if yeah. you're watching this podcast, yeah, Bill Gates, that I'm broadcasting from my Microsoft Windows computer.
1: Bum, 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 ba-da. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think I think it's important for young people to form their own political opinions. As, um, you know, like comic as mine come out, I'm glad that. A lot of young people, you know, just are getting more educated in general about politics.
0: Okay, it, I don't know. I, I I just I just hate politics at this point, mm. and I I I tend to like want to back away from being a stupid teenager and caring about politics. And uh, I, I I might be inclined to see that in other people, but I don't know.
1: You're allowed to like politics and not have to be so loud about it that it feels like you're just one of the teens punching the air in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know. You're allowed to be educated. And, you know, I think you are really educated. Um Whenever you talk, it sound it sounds educated at least. I don't know what's going on behind the forehead.
0: It's <laughs> uh, it's actually a pretty complicated. Means of <laughs> trickery. Yes. I know a lot of buzzwords that can get people. To think, wow, he knows his stuff. When really, oh. if you like press me on it, yes, I have no idea.
1: If you remember, I threw out the word facetious a few seconds ago. I don't know what that means.
0: It means. I think uh, it means what I
1: think it means. But fa- facetious
0: means like uh, fake. Okay. It sound it's it has a. Clear uh, phonetic lineage.
1: Yeah, I don't remember how I used it because yeah. I have an awful memory, just just abysmal. But mm-hmm. I know I used it.
0: <laughs> no, I remember you using it. Yeah, I was kind of confused as to why you used it. So uh, this revelation too. that you didn't quite know what it meant <laughs> explains a few things. Me
1: too. Yes. AP Lit, by the way.
0: AP Lit. <laughs> if you're not in AP Lit, stop watching this podcast.
1: Yeah. Um. Gentlemen, man.
0: He's an interesting guy. An
1: interesting guy. Let's leave we it at were... that. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, what were you going to say?
1: Well, uh, mm...
0: Th- Think about it first and then say it.
1: I don't want to get him in trouble.
0: Oh. So
2: we'll move on. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> it's nothing like serious. He just made a comment and, you know, our book circle awkwardly laughed and he awkwardly laughed. Or he giggled and walked away. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an entertaining comment. Uh, I know uh, Josh Clymer probably knows exactly what I'm talking about. It was about Greek theater, Josh. Um, you know, you remember. You remember. So if any of you want to know, <laughs> talk to me or Josh.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that independent reading is called independent reading. because It's, it's not, not. It's not very independent. <laughs> no, it you're was like last gra- year. You're graded on the extent to which you read. Even last year, <laughs> well, yeah. you had to demonstrate that you read the book for a yeah. grade. That's not independent. Yeah,
1: that's true. That's true. I think that's um, integrated into a lot of um, the modern American system. With, what with Common Core, they're like, we care about every student's individual learning capacity and how they learn and what they're learning. And here is exactly how you will teach it, what they will learn, and here is the SAT, the ACT, the, you know, everything.
0: Yeah, and the AP tests. this the AP, AP test. test.
1: It's exhausting. Yeah,
0: I am so sick of, of uh, people still... Like having this pipe dream mm-hmm. that there's such thing as like indiv- like independently motivated learners
1: Yeah, when of course there isn't
0: <laughs> we are required by law to go yeah. <laughs> to school. We literally have to be here. yes
1: I have to be and at so a the school. way
0: to get us to do stuff is to make it worth a grade.
1: Yeah So I... like
0: but but it, it's it and then you just you still see people who aren't jaded enough to realize that mm-hmm. and just think um well, I think that students should learn because they love what they're learning.
1: Yeah. I have so much cartoonish hatred inside of me for such random things. It, it's almost me too. ridiculous. <laughs> I,
0: there are things that I have vitriol for yeah. that are just completely. What, so so what's uh, like the one that was coming to your mind?
1: Um, Just in general, I get very jaded very quickly. Um, like, okay, I was writing my senior survey last month. <laughs> I was filling out my senior survey last month, and one of the questions is, do you think you achieved your highest potential?
0: I went off on that question. That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. The answer is yes. If anyone says no, no, you might have said no, and I'm about to like piss you off. If anyone says no, that's factually incorrect. You had an academic potential for high school, and then it was fulfilled by definition. That's how potential works. (laughs) What did you say?
1: Okay, I said no, and I'm going to explain why. Okay. I said that I think, I, I can't remember exactly because Notability decided to delete it, and I haven't gone back to refill it out since. So, you haven't sent it yet? Oh, no. The people I asked for, uh, I'm sorry, admin, if any of you are listening. I know Tally occasionally listens. Hi, Tally. I hope you're doing well. Um, but uh, it, I said something along the lines of I was writing it at like midnight and I was feeling very upset about my grades at the time. I, I have majoritively A's. Actually, I have all A's right now. Go me. But um, <laughs> yes! Yes! Good job! <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I was talking about how I don't think the education system is, caters to learning. I think it's, you know, the, sa- the same arguments that everyone makes. I think it's, you know, having people memorize and spit it out and only testing that. And it's not testing your emotional intelligence, which is so important. Um, your...
0: It tests your capacity to handle your emotions, though.
1: Yes. Um, or not handle them. Um, sorry, I got distracted. You have it, Frank has just this wonderful little like sewn collage that says F Hurley Productions, and it's so professional. It's just lovely. That is a, my, that uh, is a wonderful. My
0: grandma made that. I
1: love it. Thank you, Grandma Hurley. Thank you. It's uh, great. Um. Anyway, I don't think that the education system caters to proper learning. It doesn't test your social skills, your interpersonal relations, how you can communicate or, or anything like that. Like you, I'm sure you've met people who are just, just idiots, just so stupid, but I'm sure they have above a 4.0. Like, you know.
0: I mean, idiot's a strong term.
1: Yes, but you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just like, to some extent. I mean, there, I think, I definitely think there are multiple types of intelligence mm-hmm. and you there are some that are more, uh, that are You know, have more of an affinity and a potential to excel in school than others. But like, it's. I, like I totally agree that school doesn't actually you don't actually like learn what they're what they're teaching you right mm-hmm. You don't go to high school to learn math and English and mm-hmm. science and stuff But I'm not sure that that's necessarily all that bad because you do learn how to work the system Oh, right? yeah, of course, and that's like the most important skill <laughs> Yes,
1: yeah, so if we're gonna overthrow capitalism that is the most important skill mm-hmm. but, It's to blend um, in it's uh, the people listening on Spotify can't see it, but I looked directly into the camera and smiled. It was great, mm-hmm. but um, I, I, to make a ramble. Long story short, I just finished with. I don't think I reach my potential in the, this system, particularly not so much at Monta Vista but just every American school, because I don't think it is designed to have students reach their full potential.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I. So for context, the question was, do you feel that you've reached your academic potential? Yeah. In high school, if you know, if so, why or why not?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I said, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if my response to that is about that question in particular, but like, like mm-hmm. you heard, I said, yes, I, I found out what my academic potential exactly was, and now mm-hmm. I, I have a like documented evidence of what my academic potential for high school was, because, like, sh- sure, you can be, y- you can have a higher uh, mental propensity for something but if you don't have the work ethic to do Mm -hmm. it then that uh, that decreases your potential yeah but my senior survey was so great because i literally went on multiple rants about how i am not a good student and why colleges (laughs) don't want me i literally said if you are a college admissions officer reading this just know that you do not want me at your school
1: (laughs) if that ain't the mood of the century but uh and hopefully like
0: i I don't know hopefully it's the best of both worlds because uh it, it on one hand, I'm like, I'm sticking it to the man, yeah. but on the other hand, I'm playing hard to get, right? Yeah. Now they want to convince me there that the system go. works. Yeah. And so they have, it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, USC calls and they're like, hello, I heard that you don't think any colleges want you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> Wait till you see our college.
1: <laughs> Wait till you see, you know, Stanford or USC, you know. Mm-hmm. You know
0: we've got We gotta, actually are right for you. Yeah,
1: we actually do cater. To every single specific student, even though we have over eight thousand kids at our campus, of course we cater directly mm-hmm. to you, and we want to show you that, um, yeah. But um, more on you know the academic um, potential, and you know having a marking for it. In but it's going to get a little bit deep, but don't get sad. Uh, in sophomore year, we were in chemistry together. Yes. And, uh, during sophomore year particularly, I was really anxious all the time. I'm like a naturally nervous person, but it was just extra bad in sophomore year. Um, and so chemistry was the first class I ever got a C in, which was big for me because freshman year, I didn't even get a B. And then sophomore year, it was like A, 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 C, A, A, A. And it was so upsetting to me that I would have anxiety attacks like at least once a week.
0: People always ask me why I had a C in chemistry, and I said alliteration, stupid. That's why. I ha- <laughs> that's why I got a B in Bible. <laughs> uh,
1: I love alliteration, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a great literary literary device. I think. Yeah, it's it great. is. Um, but, but anyway, it, chemistry. Yeah, yeah, I I understood the material. It's just that the environment of that classroom became less learning and more just like this is the room that makes me anxious mm-hmm. like th- this is the material that makes me feel bad about myself and my you know uh ability to learn and you know i'm I'm really people ple- people pleasing less so now but i really was um earlier in high school and i was just really really wanted approval from authority and the fact that i didn't have Champions. an in a <laughs> The fact that I didn't have an A in chemistry just made me really upset because I thought Miss Tar was wonderful. I think she's um and you have different opinions.
0: No, but... I I do not dislike <laughs> Mrs. Tar, for the record.
1: <laughs> and like
0: I know I know that if I had serious beef with a teacher, I wouldn't say it on this podcast, but yeah. like dead serious, I actually like Mrs. Tar.
1: Okay, good. Good we clear that up. But um I just
0: hate chemistry. So <laughs> those two things yep. kind of collide when you're in her class, which
1: is fair. Yeah. I just I think Mrs. Tar is a lovely woman and um she like helped discover an element and she was there for the Human Genome Project and I think she's kind of a legend to have at a school you know that's a little bit unknown on the the broad spectrum like Monta Vista is you know a, a good school but when I say I go to Monta Vista people aren't like oh Monta Vista. like they are like oh Santa Catalina um you know like whenever I talk about Monta Vista they're like where's that um so I think it's really cool that you have someone like Ms. Tarr there and I just really wanted to impress her because I was you know 15 and I was like I'm an adult now I'm 15 and really wanted to (laughs) prove to authority that I was like you know responsible and could do all of this like difficult work and I, I took anatomy honor or anatomy honors um chemistry honors more to be like you know of course I'm in an honors class of course because I you know I'm a responsible smart person and of course I can be in an honors class and not actually considering the work that goes into doing something like that and so it just made me really Really upset that I didn't do it well.
0: Yeah, no, I think I I think I said this before is that I took chemistry honors because I was in regular biology freshman. I was year, in regular biology and I felt too. like a second class citizen. I
1: felt so stupid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're just
0: you're just on a different plane I than know. everyone else. So I thought well, I don't even care how I do in the class. People d- people can't really see that. I, I just want to be in chemistry honors. Yes. To to have that experience and I got a C in chemistry. I got a mm-hmm. 79 both semesters. I almost got a I B I got a
1: 78 and a 79.
0: Ha! I did better than you. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but I like despite all of the immense uh, stress and pain and boredom that it caused. Mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine that if I were in regular chemistry <laughs> sophomore year, I would feel Ooh. even worse about myself.
1: I don't feel bad about talking about Mr. Bingham because he's not here anymore. But imagine. Yeah. Imagine if you were in Mr. Bingham's class. I, don't,
0: I always, I always was kind of uh, annoyed by the chemistry honors. Like I would always kind of lay off Mr. Bingham because mm-hmm. I never met him. Mm-hmm. I never met the guy, and the chemistry honors kids who would be like, "Yeah, Mr. Bingham. Did you hear about what Mr. Bingham did? I bet Mr. Bingham, blah blah blah, blah so to its terrible teacher should be fired." It just seems like it's patronizing. Mm-hmm. I felt because spiritually i felt i was more of a regular chemistry kid and yeah. so i i i it seemed it seemed patronizing to to us as like the uh you know the the less advanced kids but hey we are in chemistry honors but we still have sympathy for you <laughs> we still love you don't yeah. worry and i'm like shut up you're yeah. stoked that you're in chemistry <laughs> honors
1: yeah honestly i don't know there there's something so like uh I was going to say something that I can't say, uh, tooting your own horn about, <laughs> like... You can
0: swear on the podcast, for the record, Okay, there, like, there's
1: something that it just feels so much like sucking your own dick. Yeah. When you talk about, like, oh, I'm in four APs and I'm doing well, and I'm not, I'm in two APs, but mm-hmm. it, it's the same sort Are of, Are you doing like, well? I am doing well. All right. Um, <laughs> but it just, it feels so, like, self-gratifying when you talk about being in advanced classes and doing well because... I don't I don't know what it is. I just feel so and it's awful. I really really hate when I catch myself doing this But I just love feeling superior and I hate that about myself.
0: Oh, yeah I No hate it feeling superior is awesome. It's yeah, but because, I, like, when I you hate, finally
1: I hate that. I know it feels awesome I hate it. I don't yeah. want to feel superior to people and I don't mm-hmm. want to recognize feeling superior as feeling good
0: it's Yeah, probably that's the fair. Catholic school, but <laughs> I remember uh, one of my point pla- because Sophomore year was the worst for me as far as like academics mm-hmm. and grades and stress about that and freaking out about that. And re- one of my plans was to get a little, like a little one foot by one foot whiteboard mm-hmm. and write out my seven classes and my current grade in each I, class. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and did I like say that before or something? I, I
1: remember you saying it and I remember you, uh, I remember hearing it coming out of your mouth in person.
0: Okay, so I don't think I said it on the podcast. Okay. Good. Um, yes, uh, really dedicated listeners. <laughs> if you are out there, you might get annoyed by the repetition and just hang it around my neck yeah. and uh, and w- and walk around as a w- as a way to try to just go even further and further with the self shame in order mm-hmm. to achieve something. And honestly, I wish I did because it would have been <laughs> such a statement. Yeah, it would have just like really, r- really just let it sink in that this is what you're doing to me, school. This yeah. is what you're doing to me, academic culture. <laughs>
1: oh my God. You're even if it down. even if
0: it made my grades worse, <laughs> it would have been worth it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. Just there's something so like uh, cathartic about just screaming about authority. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's great.
0: Mm-hmm. It's nice scapegoat.
1: Yeah. Even if you don't know what you're talking about, sometimes it's good to just be like, "Fuck authority." Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's. I mean, that's that, That's always what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. always sometimes
1: always sometimes 75 percent. Mm-hmm. let's see how long we can keep the silence going for
0: before they get mad they're already mad
1: <laughs> don't edit it Who out. Am I leave kidding. it in there
0: i don't edit anything out if you Good. haven't noticed <laughs> yeah this is sink or swim podcast
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah um so to recap to recap uh, chemistry honors kind of sucked.
1: Chemistry honors sucked, yeah. But uh, Miss Tar didn't.
0: Yeah. That's... You're the G, Miss Tar. Yeah, Mrs. Tar, if you're listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're the G. I, I want to look you in the eye and say, Marsha Tar, you are the G. Congratulations. And walk away. That's
0: That would be a little <laughs> bit of a weird interaction. I'm not sure that that would actually All of work my out. My interactions
1: in are a, a little off kilter. Okay. I'm really maybe i am be anxious. <laughs> a, a, a
0: little was an understatement.
1: I'm really bad at being social. I'm really bad at talking to people. It's mm-hmm. just not something I ever learned how to be good at. Yeah,
0: whose plan was to put two of us in a room? Two. I was talking
1: to Estelle about that and she was like, you guys are so socially anxious. You guys, you just, it's not going it, to, you just, you got to get over it. You
0: know? Yeah. <laughs> Yet another podcast where we mention Estelle. Not a I bad thing, I love you, it Estelle. I
1: love you so much. I love you, Estelle.
0: But yeah, let's uh, let's st- let's let's show show these non socially awkward people that we actually can pull off a podcast. Yeah, no,
1: I've been my ankles are so tightly wound together, and my hands have been wringing themselves the entire time. Mm. It's been forty one minutes, and it's been the whole time.
0: <laughs> but we don't have to let them know that we can look like. S- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We are trying to demonstrate that we are capable at talking to one another, and we've already just totally hit rock bottom. Just
1: just awful. Um, What was the last movie you saw?
0: Last movie? I don't watch movies. You
1: don't watch movies.
0: I have seen so few movies. man. God, what was the last movie I saw? It would have been, like, forever ago. I think it was Solaris, the 1972, the Tarkovsky movie.
1: I do not know that movie.
0: Um, It's really long and slow. It's about... It's a Soviet movie. Do you know mm-hmm. Andrei Tarkovsky? Soviet?
1: I'm going to say yes for the sake of the story. Okay. I don't, but yes.
0: Um anyway, he's a filmmaker who makes really slow movies that look really cool. And the the plot is that uh that the Soviets have this space station around a planet called Solaris. Mm-hmm. And They've only got three people left on the crew because there's been some weird stuff going on mm-hmm. on the planet, and uh, they they like tried to fly down there and they they lost someone, but then there was this strange testimony about like seeing a giant baby and stuff. <laughs> okay, no, that's actually what happens. Oh. And so and so they get this some cosmonaut guy who's who's you know living out in some rural area trying to just have a normal life. They but he was a cosmonaut or something like that it's been a while since i've seen okay. this yeah and uh, they say he hey we no 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 he's a, he's a psychologist mm-hmm. and so he's a psychologist they want to send him up to the space station to check on the remaining 3 mm-hmm. members because they all seem to be going crazy yeah and he gets up there one of the one of the three crew members has killed himself and uh, left this long rambling video message he sees random people that aren't part of the crew on the ship and then his uh His dead wife comes like appears to him on the ship and basically what they realize what happens is people from your memories become real again when you're in close proximity with Solaris that's like a weird radioactive because back then everything was radioactive that's just how it worked (laughs) it's a radioactive quality of the planet and so then it's just two hours and like 45 minutes of them deliberating on all these Important questions about life and there is a legitimately like I loved watching it five-minute. I'm not exaggerating five-minute scene Of a car driving through a highway.
1: Oh fantastic
0: and It's it's so good. Just wonderful. There's not even any music It's just traffic sounds and it's just driving okay, and then it cuts to a close-up of the driver and then it's driving again.
1: That's some of my f- favorite uh, cinematography just like deliberately slow like, you have to watch this. Yeah. And it's going to be too long, but you're going to watch it and you're going to appreciate it. That's like life. It. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Mr. Scott's uh, film analysis class, which shout out to Mr. Scott. You're one of my favorite teachers on the campus. I wish you retreated better. I love you with my whole heart and soul. Thank you. Um, but uh, just there, there's the first movie we watched was Vertigo by Alfred Hitchcock and it was one of the first movies that introduced like color theory to hollywood you know like using colors de- deliberately and symbolically and there were so many shots where it was just like looking at something for a long time and it it kind of gave you a chance to figure it out and you know alfred hitchcock is so deliberate with with what he puts in a shot and how that will translate to the audience and i think it's just really Im- important for media to be more intentional than what it's doing right now Hmm. I think that for the last like few decades media has been very much you know create what you can and just get it out there to make money and you know there's there's nothing wrong with that mindless media is sometimes good you can absorb it and it you know it's relaxing it's it's you know it's everything you want on just like a Friday night where you've been going all week and you just don't want to use your brain anymore but I'm so happy that like media within the last like year or so has been getting so so much closer to something like vertigo like using colors deliberately and dialogue symbolically and just really putting meaning behind stuff it makes me really happy
0: how much of how much of that is retroactive analysis though because i because the popularity of the of like the video essay Mm -hmm. genre that analyzes a movie or something i don't watch video essays I don't like them, but I still watch yeah. them just out of sheer boredom. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, there are like billions of videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I still can't find one that looks interesting. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll watch <laughs> this. God, yeah. you're you're welcome, YouTube. Yeah. But um, I've I've just always I've just always been skeptical of just how much symbolism there apparently is in movies and in cinematography and stuff. And I I think that a lot of what happens is that a movie is such a big, complex process to make that stuff just happens. Yeah, and then we have such pareidolia as humans that we assign meaning and assign patterns and symbols to stuff that wasn't really there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and I'm sure, like, yes, red means uh, anger <laughs> and passion, and yeah. blue is cold. And like, yeah. I, I get that. I get that those can be used effectively and whatnot. But. Yeah.
1: Well, with with Vertigo, it was because um the movie came out so many years ago. I'm gonna spoil this one too. Um, Vertigo is about um, uh, a guy who uh, we watched it in August I'm trying to remember a guy who used to be friends with this uh bridge builder He it's set in San Francisco and, and they're doing um, an
0: independent reading project <laughs> where they have to analyze a book
1: yes absolutely they have to write a book and then paint it onto the side of the San Francisco bridge and just you know let the, the hippies of San Francisco decipher it but um this, our, our main man, our leading man, used to be a detective and he's super scared of heights and it gives him, um, roll credits, vertigo to be, um, up high. And so the, the, this whole plot is like, you know, the bridge builder wants to kill his wife and you don't know this until the end and he ends up doing it and so he hires an actress to, uh, like fake fall in love with our leading man who used to be a detective and is rehired to like, you know, follow his wife around and do stuff like that and they, you know, it's set up that they fall in love, and it it's um not a particularly you know revolutionary story. Um, you know, today the revolution. The revolution. Uh, that was not Russian. I don't know what just came out of my mouth, but <laughs> that was
0: uh, American with dotted Rs. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Uh, but it it the color theory isn't like red is mad and green is envy. It's like red symbolizes this one person in particular and green symbolizes this one person in particular and so you it hints at you for the entirety of the movie like this person is not who they say they are they're disguised as someone else and this person has hidden intentions they are acting on the intentions of this person and that's how color is used and when you re-watch it a few times you're like whoa they were telling you from the get-go that mm-hmm. this person was evil and this person was not who they said they were.
0: So, but does that impact the first viewing? If they didn't use the color, if no. you are only allowed to watch the movie once and they didn't use color theory, would it change?
1: No. Uh, the first time around, it really doesn't make a, a difference. I, I think it might be be because Mr. Scott told us specifically, look at the colors, look at the colors. They're, you know, symbolic. And so I did. But the only two scenes that stand out to me is like the the girl who was an actress acting as this wife is dressed in... Um, red most of the time. and I was waiting um, for a really
0: complicated color like no. <laughs> aqua magenta maroon. No. It's just red.
1: No. And the guy who is our leading man, the detective is dressed in, or no I got it wrong. The girl is, the actress is green, the guy is red. And um, Spoilers. Sorry. And uh, there's this one scene after the actress has purposefully thrown herself into the San Francisco Bay and tried to drown and the detective goes in and saves her and she acts like she's been passed out all this time. And she comes out, like, wrapped in a towel, uh, you know, male gaze, cin- cinema, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. And um, the guy is now wearing a red sweater. Mm-hmm. Or, no, wait. No, he's wearing green. I'm so sorry. He's wearing green in this scene instead of red. And that was one thing I noticed where I was like, huh, he's wearing green. He's not wearing red anymore. How odd. And But it didn't mean anything to me in the moment. And then there's this one scene towards the end where... The detective has found out that the lady is an actress and he's still in love with her and she's still in love with him and um there's this scene where it's really really good like they use a dolly shot and they circle around them and they have to change the set while it's happening because they don't have um cgi yet so they have to like change the set and make it look like they're in a place where they fell in love and then change it back to a hotel room and it's really cool but the whole thing is lit up bright neon green to symbolize um the the live, mm-hmm. but um, you know you find that out by the end. But it was just, that's the only thing I can remember from the first viewing.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I just think that bold use of color looks cool.
1: Yeah, bold use of color does really. So look that that, cool. that
0: can that can help. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I've I've wondered like what would happen if you made a movie with deliberately zero symbolic meaning it's Mm -hmm. just face value and it's a cool movie it's not some like super dumb movie that doesn't have any meaning it has legitimate meaning there's just no latent content there's no symbolism and then just see what people try to come up with
1: yeah (laughs) that would be so fun please do that I know you're trying to go to college for film. Please do
0: that. I'm kind of trying to go to college for film. I'm trying to figure out some something to do besides just be a stagnant uh, tumor on society who's taking up resources. Yeah. Which I guess maybe trying to be a filmmaker is not a particularly <laughs> good. Never mind. Uh, I'm just absolutely. going with the flow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, just going where life takes you.
0: hmm Yeah. Yeah. I, um that probably made a pretty big noise, didn't it?
1: Uh, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh I heard that, but I'm not sure if it went through the headphones or not. Anyway, I'm stalling because I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. Yeah, I just think that that like oftentimes the the best cinematography is what is what is aesthetically pleasing or a, a, is just communicates pretty directly the emotion that you're trying mm-hmm. to uh, feel. And we were talking about we were talking about uh, you know s- slower paces earlier and just like kind of letting everything sink in, and uh, I, I I always kind of really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just kind of sitting there and letting you, and letting you feel mm-hmm. what the what the setting is. Yeah, I, I love settings that have a that have an emotion that communicate.
1: Yeah, there's um a movie called Birdman uh that's really good about that. Um as often as they can. They do scenes in just one shot, which is really cool and I really appreciate it. But there's many scenes, and one of the first projects we did for Mr. Scott was taking just one scene and analyzing just the shit out of it. Just taking it to hell and back, finding symbolism. And there's one really drawn out scene where the main character is just stumbling down the street drunk, and it just watches him walk for like three minutes. And it's really good like just watching him stumble along and listening to the doled out sounds of the city around him because he's in New York and he's you know like a washed up Broadway actor and it's this whole thing but just watching him walk was so like poignant to his character
0: and if it it was a poorly done walking scene if Mm -hmm. it just like if the audio sucked and it didn't look cool then it would would, then it wouldn't work it would
1: make me hate the scene and make me want to skip over it and make me think worse of Birdman all around but uh I don't know there was something about it where I was like I I have to analyze this and I did and it was great
0: Yeah, and that's why like I I'm not I swear. I'm not just being pretentious mm -hmm. But I like Blade Runner more than Blade Runner 2049. I I like the original one. I have seen neither. Oh dang it (laughs) Um,
1: The only scene I know um, is from a a tumblr post because I used to be a tumblr teen where they um, Someone made a reference to Blade Runner where like you know I'm so tired I'm gonna stick a pin in my hand Blade Runner style and I looked it up Blade Runner pin in hand and <laughs> it was just like a pin that. stuck you know kind of like a sewing thread we was just like in and then out mm-hmm. and I was like how weird and that's my only thing I know about Blade Runner
0: well yeah there's a there's a there it's a very slow paced movie and if you go on I love going on IMDB reviews yes. and just like, because if it's a, re- if it's a movie that everyone loves, there are mm-hmm. a bunch of positive reviews and then you yeah. get to the wave of two <laughs> star reviews. Like just sitting there and being in that really d- gloomy, you know, beautiful looking, but yeah. really gloomy and, and sad environment. Mm-hmm. And I like, uh, you know, I, I like the, uh, I like the the early 80s version more better than the the newer made objectively better looking version because Mm -hmm. it's it feels more distant and so if you're if you're trying to pull me into a into a maybe this is a little bit weird but if you're trying to pull me into into a world that isn't mine then I like that there's the kind of that there's the haze of a time that I didn't that I didn't experience Mm -hmm. there and that I don't know. It's for some reason. Can we talk about this? Why the 1980s seems so sad? Every, yeah. everything. And my parents, who are were, were born in 1974, their total mm-hmm. like prime time to be 80s kids. They they just will swear that it is the best decade. Are they of boomers? All time. Well, that depends <laughs> on your definition of boomer. <laughs> um, the way that a lot of people have been using it, anyone over the age of like seven and a half <laughs> is a boomer.
1: No, your parents are like Gen X. No, my
0: parents are full, are like s- s- smack dab in the middle Gen Gen Xers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they swear that the 80s were awesome. Yeah. But every time I see media from the 80s, it's yeah, so I, it just, it's my sad. heart sinks. And that doesn't mean it's bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff from the 80s is really cool, but it's just like depressing for yeah. some reason.
1: Like I watched The Breakfast Club for the first time, of, I think like a year ago. And I was just like sitting and watching it because I was deliberating whether I wanted to watch it like at a sleepover I was gonna throw, I don't know. But um, I was like, this is so, like not pleasantly nostalgic, just sad.
0: Yeah, I, I often feel that way for like 80s music. Mm-hmm. Like an, yeah. a love song from the eighties, just seems so, like there, it's just an endless pit of despair for yeah, some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Something yeah. about the overly reverb synth sounds. Yeah. It's not bad. It, it's no, but it's all. just really, really depressing. People were so sad in the eighties. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I like the Breakfast Club.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's some value to it, and I think it properly captures like, you know, uh, not to use like a weird term, teen angst. Yeah. I think it catches captures that properly. Um I really like the dynamic between um like the uh princess lady, I can't remember yeah. her name. And the I
0: forget her name, but she's uh
1: She's a very famous actress. Yeah,
0: what's what's hold on, what's hold her on. Name? I've got this. Keep talking, I will remember it.
1: Um, anywho, I really enjoy the dynamic between her and the guy who punches the air at the end. I think just him like taunting her for for seemingly no reason is, but they like end up getting together. I don't know. I I just think there's a lot of value behind, you know, showing how strangely teens portray their emotions. Are you okay?
0: <laughs> I'm really frustrated by the fact that I can't remember her name. Yeah, this is getting to my I'm core. Sorry. Hold on, hold on, I swear I've got yeah, this.
1: I know Ryan dressed up as her for uh Spirit Week. In freshman year what is her name
0: I know exactly who this is yes yes why can't I remember the name we're
1: making everyone so mad don't
0: you hate it when this happens the one time when (laughs) I actually need to recall this person's name okay I'm sure if we keep the new strategy talk about something else and then it'll come to me
1: um I was talking you and Nick talked about this a lot, but when we were filming your uh, short film for Cal Arts and other colleges, I briefly mentioned that I was considering comedy as a career. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, comedy school.
1: Yeah. I uh, for the longest time I wanted to be like a marine biologist, and then I realized that's kind of stupid. Uh, I don't know what made what made the link in my head, but I was like, that's stupid, and that was like first grade to seventh grade. And then eighth grade through freshman year, I wanted to be a Molly Ringwald. Yes, Boom! Molly Ringwald. That Woo! was that is, was way harder yes! than I thought
2: it
0: would be.
1: Oh, yay, yay, you. <laughs> the strategy.
0: Okay. In all seriousness, I was not listening to what you were saying. I was just no, thinking, fine, what fine, the hell, hell is her name? No,
1: of course. Ooh, Molly Ringwald.
0: Nice. It's a cool name.
1: Yeah, that's a, that is a good name. Good for her. Okay.
0: <laughs> So you wanted to be a marine biologist.
1: <laughs> yeah, for the longest time I wanted to be a marine biologist until like seventh grade just because I, I loved the aquarium growing up. I grew up in Monterey. The aquarium
0: is awesome. The
1: aquarium is so cool. Um, and then eighth grade through ninth grade I wanted to be like a doctor because I, I grew up um, around hospitals a lot. I was just always like, just like grew up around that environment. So I know like the inner workings of hospitals and whatnot. And then sophomore year, I was like, I wanna be deep. I wanna help people. So I was like, I'm gonna be a English teacher.
0: (laughs) Something about that last sentence didn't quite connect. Like you were going somewhere and then you went somewhere else. I
1: I don't know. I mean, the most influential people in my life have always been like English teachers and I don't know what that was like in my brain. I was always just drawn to the English teachers. And I still am. I always really liked my English teachers. uh, and then in my junior year, I had another like English teacher where I need to be a doctor. And that was was just like me panicking and settling on a career. And then this year I was like, well, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so well <laughs> be a comedian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I finished no, your punchline. No, you yeah. were right. Uh, well, I wanted to be like, this is going to sound really stupid. I wanted to like live in the mountains and raise bees I wanted to sell honey.
0: <laughs> and be a comedian?
1: No. Oh, okay. No.
0: <laughs> because usually comedians go to metropolitan no. areas where they...
1: <laughs> no, I wanted to live in the woods and have a little cottage. I wanted to make sure there was a library in the cottage. I wanted to raise bees and sell the honey. I thought it would be a peaceful life. <sighs> And that's so stupid.
0: (laughs) I like bees. Wait, no, no, I'm not. (laughs) Holy shit!
1: Ryan, Ryan, we got him. We got him, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, we got him.
0: That was embarrassing.
1: (laughs) Oh, success. That's like the few few
0: times where I've criticized communism in front of people, and everyone's just like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gentlemen,
0: we got him.
2: Anyway, keep going.
1: <laughs> oh no! I'm gonna let you simmer.
0: I finally broke character. <laughs> anyway, so you wanted to raise uh, insects? Say it. So, yeah, social insects uh, that make honey.
1: I'm not gonna accept it.
0: You wanted to raise? Uh, you wanted to have an apiary. Okay, you wanted to have bees. Move Fuck on. Yeah. <laughs> an Uh, animal that I like yes it's true
1: wonderful carry on so um and I was like I just want to be peaceful and I want to be free and then I was like that's stupid and so then I just like decided on being a doctor again kind of and then a few weeks ago I was having dinner with a friend uh, Cody Dakota Paul and Maddie Ackerman and we were talking about college because Maddie was talking about like submitting her uh application to like Juilliard and studio school and all these arts colleges, and I was like I guess I'm gonna go to medical school because that's the only one where I Guess I could feasibly make a good living and not The thing is I I don't particularly Want a lot of money. I just want to live freely, but Unfortunately those two things are equated
0: nowadays. Yeah, well, I mean the doctor I guess I guess you could carve out a lot of free time
1: Yeah, but uh, cause you only work like f- four days a week if you're not an on-call doctor. Mm-hmm. Um. But m- we were talking about it for a long time. We were sitting in this really dimly lit Indian restaurant in the middle of nowhere, and we were just like talking, eating non bread, really bad non bread, like not not good. Um- <laughs> okay,
0: this is. The- I'm gonna admit how culturally illiterate I am. I thought you it wasn't bread, it was like oh. some fake bread for a well, second. It's non bread. I know. N-A-N. <laughs> <laughs> well, non- I thought you were criticizing the restaurant. <laughs> no. It's like it wasn't even bread.
1: I don't know what it was. It was like non bread. I mean, I mean, it didn't taste like it. Non actually means bread. It's like the same as yes. saying the Sahara, Sahara desert, desert or the chai tea, you know. But non, non bread, bread bread. Um, and we were talking about it, and Cody was like, "Why don't you think about comedy? Like you've always really liked comedy. For the extent that I've known you, it's just always been something you've been interested in." And I was, and in, instantly I was like, "No." And he said, why? And I couldn't answer him. (laughs) Could not give him an answer. And uh, he's real snobby. I love him so much, but he is just the type of person that's like, ha ha, you don't have an answer. I'm right. And uh, so I went home and I was thinking, and I was like, I do really like comedy. I've liked comedy for as long as I can remember, like a really long time. Um, It's been one of my only consistent, like, hobbies that I've really liked to I, I like being funny. I'm not very good at it right now, but it, you know, it, it. We improve skills. Yeah,
0: making people laugh is a particular yes. little rush <laughs> that you get.
1: Yes. Uh It. It. And it's. And it's like glorious in the moment. You're like, I made people laugh. I made them be happy for a second. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was considering all the people I've ever looked up to, and it was always, you know, funny comedians. It was always like John Mulaney or uh, Jenny Slate or, um you know, Bill Hader. Bill Hader is uh, a big one in my life right now because he was just in the It movie and um, a lot of, that was a good movie. I don't care what you guys say about it. It was a great movie. A lot of people don't think it was good, it was great. Um, but I, I just really look up to all of these people who enjoy making other people happy. And I think what initially drew them, drew me to them was that they were so confident and I did not have any confidence until I was like 12 or 13. And so I was like, wow, I wanna be like them. And I just never considered that I could. I never considered that I could be that sort of person. And so now I'm, I am considering it more and more because I, Cody has helped me realize as much as I hate to admit that he was right, he was, um, that it's entirely feasible to have a career out of it. Maybe I'm not gonna be as successful as, you know, Bill Hader, John Mulaney, Jenny Slate, um, but you could do that. You could write comedy for a TV show. You could do occasional stand up sets somewhere else. And it, you know, it's non reliable. And I hate so much that my uh, brain has said, you know, this is your passion. This is what you like. Mm-hmm. And you finally found it. And I hate that it's an unreliable yeah. career. Don't you
0: hate those people whose passion is like being an accountant?
1: I, oh my God, I hate the people who were like, I want to be a doctor.
0: Yeah. And, and, and they're like, genuinely interested they're, in they it. They
1: genuinely want to do yeah. it. They
0: genuinely like being a, a so, I want to be a lawyer.
1: I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a college professor. Mm-hmm. Like that's so cool. Thank you so much. I hate you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. I hate you. <laughs> and it's just oof. it's just so frustrating when you finally find something you enjoy and you want to make a career out of it and it's not one of the reliable yeah. ones. It's like yeah,
0: one of the least reliable yes. ones because even I feel like comedy is something that is so intrinsically mm-hmm. weird word to say intrinsically artistic. Yes, where there's no cold heart, like you can f- film weddings yeah. and stuff, and that sucks. That's not an artistically fulfilling job, but mm-hmm. it's, st- it's still you apply that same skill set yes. that you would to making an actually uh, like an actual like an actual video or film or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas like comedy it has to your heart has yes, to be in it your heart by definition to. you
1: it, literally and I the, the the last like three years the only thing that has made me happy has been performing with my friends um in the theater program and I've only been I only started performing three years ago my first show was uh Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat which was the musical of our sophomore year and that was really fun I played a man <laughs> I had a spirit gum beard uh fun story I the night of our cast party um, so spirit gum is like medical grade adhesive and it just sticks stuff onto your face and so much that you can sweat just gallons and it won't come off and I there's a special chemical that you rub on it and it gets it to dissolve but it's a really slow painstaking process and I got this whole beard it was like you know traditional man beard where it was like from my
0: ears as opposed to a woman beard
1: I, well you know you you've seen you know the greatest show they had that one woman with a beard <laughs> but um just you know very very full face beard and I got all the way down to my chin area and this was the only thing that was left and I was like you know what fuck it and I yanked it and it took off like parts of my skin Mm -hmm. and um, that's why I have acne on my chin now (laughs) I never had pimples on my acne ever before but you you never had pimples on your acne? (laughs) Uh, yes
0: for a second I was worried that that, like pimples and acne are different and that I didn't know that before (laughs)
1: I never had pimples on my acne. Thank you. Uh, no, I never had acne on my chin before, and it just—you know—it opened up a world of new bacteria and germs and wonderful things that I just ripped my skin apart at night trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But, um,
0: but it was worth it. It was for worth the it. Performance. <laughs>
1: oh, it was so worth it. I was bad. That my my first performance, it it was not good because I I was one of two girls playing in. You know, it's the the story of Joseph who gets like, you know sold into slavery and whatnot, Christians, you know the story. Um,
0: Shout out to all the Christians out there.
1: Gang gang. <laughs> uh, I would say solidarity, but uh-uh. <laughs> but you know the story. And so I played Issachar, one of the brothers, and I, you know, had to be a manly man and I'm five foot one. I am mm-hmm. not, you know, a traditionally manly person. Uh, not that there aren't, you know, manly five foot one guys out there. We stan our laterally challenged kings. But, <laughs> vertically challenged, what,
0: what does Blatter- lateral mean? Oh, God, I, I don't know. It's <laughs> It might be this way. It might
1: be. You know.
0: Yeah, vertically challenged Ver- is the, is the challenged. conventional term. Okay, though. let's
1: go with that. Um, but I, it, I I just loved it. I recognized that I wasn't the best one in the cast, and I, I knew that, you know, it, it was entirely Miss Hoy just, like, taking a chance, because I hadn't been in... A theater class the the two shows before i had been in the theater but i was doing makeup um and so i maddie ackerman i was walking up from mr scott's class uh and she was like hey are you auditioning for joseph and i was like no i don't think so because you know sophomore year i was anxious and she was like do it and i was like no and she was like you have to and i was like okay so i went And I sang Burn from Hamilton, (laughs) which you're not supposed to sing songs from popular shows because they, I don't know, they just don't want you to? I I don't know.
0: They're sick of Um, hearing them?
1: Yeah, they're sick of hearing them. And um, I remember my voice cracked the third word I sang, and I saw Jack Wilkins scribble something down on a notebook as soon as my voice cracked. And I was like, oh, God. So then I couldn't look at them anymore. And I just looked at like the exit sign and sang to the exit sign. And I wasn't acting. I was just standing there just stiff as a statue, and I was, like, making little motions with my hands, trying to act, but I was mostly just singing, and, uh, i I, the, the line goes, like, um, like, I burned all the letters, you sleep in your office, the world has no right to my bed, you sleep in your office instead? I don't know, um, but it's, like, two lines that sound similar, but they're not the same, and I sang the first line twice, Mm. And then I stopped because I didn't have backup music. I wasn't prepared to audition that day. And Miss Hoy was just like, stop, it's fine. And I was Uh like, oh, okay. And she was like, thank you. And I was like, okay. So I walked off and I don't know, she gave me a supporting, which was just entirely her just taking a chance and being like, okay, Madison, I believe you can do this. Yeah. And so it was, you know, fully being friends with Ryan in the first place who got me into the theater community and knowing the theater people and then Maddie convincing me to audition and then Miss Hoy taking a chance on me that just you know introduced me to something I so thoroughly enjoy now which is you know you ever have moments like that where you think of one thing and if that didn't happen you wouldn't have experienced something that's really important to you
0: yeah choir yeah um do you know how I, why I joined choir freshman no. year so I uh I've never been good but like I've played a bunch like a bunch of instruments mm-hmm. throughout my life like I had I've, I've played piano at one point and then I I for that I played uh, trumpet and stuff and so I wanted to do band in middle school I came to Monta Vista in eighth grade
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I, uh, I was in the middle school band and I played trombone. Mm-hmm. And I had to like I had to learn it. Trombones, so it's fun. a super easy instrument, really? by the way. Cool. I mean, it, it's uh, it's not f- like fretted in any way. So mm-hmm. technically, the intonation's kind of hard. But you're just sliding this one thing, and this much is a half step, and this much is a whole step. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty intuitive learning process. Okay. Yeah. And so I wasn't I wasn't like uh, ready to say, well, yes, I can. Pl- I'm a trombone player, but mm-hmm. like I could I le- I learned my music and I learned my stuff for the. Uh, middle school band. Mm-hmm. So I uh, w- I was looking at high school classes, and I was like, well, I'll just be in high school band. And I saw that there was band and there was orchestra, mm-hmm. and I asked the middle school band teacher, Mrs. Meyer. I said, what's the difference between band and orchestra? And she says, orchestra is like band but with strings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now she probably should have been more clear. Yeah, <laughs> because what I thought she meant was it's like band plus strings. Huh. But what she meant was it's like band, but only strings. Oh. So I signed up for orchestra okay. as a trombone player. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I showed up on a freshman orientation mm. and there was like me and like three other freshmen in that mm-hmm. class because I didn't even sign up for beginning orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> I signed up for advanced <laughs> string class having never played a string instrument.
1: That's golden. I and
0: that. Uh, and the... What was his name? Mr. Johnson. Yeah. Remember him, the yes. band director from freshman oh, yes. year? He uh he w- he was talking about how like strings are cool and went on this whole like opening kind of pep talk about how like string instruments are awesome mm-hmm. and he said yeah I, yeah, I remember. I was kind of self-conscious about it when I was in high school and I was in the orchestra. I al- I would always carry my my violin mm-hmm. case backwards so that it looked like, so that it looked like I had a trombone a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell people that I played trombone because I was self-conscious about the fact that I played violin. Oh. Which for the record, Mr. Johnson, if you're watching, <laughs> I have, everyone has so much more respect for a violin player than a trombone Indeed, player. That's <laughs> the difference. That's like a easy instrument and an incredibly that's difficult like instrument. That's like I play
1: the recorder versus I play the oboe. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and uh, and so he's like, and then he uh, he goes and he asks people what they play. It's like I, I'm blank, blank, blank. I play violin. I play violin. Mm-hmm. I play viola. And I had to be there like, I'm Frank and uh, I play trombone. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, was really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I I had to um, I was faced with a decision: either mm-hmm. I switch out of that and I do Mustang Band. Mm-hmm. Or I stay in st- I stay in advanced orchestra and learn a string instrument real quick. <laughs> um, or, and then on that on that very day, we had this big assembly mm-hmm. at the beginning of the day. Uh, no, that wasn't. So that was orientation. On the first yeah. day of school, we had an assembly. Okay. And I sat down. Remember when we were freshmen? We yes. were in the freshman quadrant. And I get yeah. down there and uh, Josh sits next to me, climber. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Frank, you should do choir. And I'm like, I sat there and I thought, oh, God, he must not remember what I'm like he must have forgot over the summer I'm like no I'm, of course I'm like that's the stupidest thing you've ever told me <laughs> why would I do choir mm-hmm. because let's let, let's just let's just be real for a second mm-hmm. middle school choir sucked Yeah. Um, It was it must have been the most embarrassing thing to be up there and singing those children's songs Mm -hmm. in front of uh, an audience full of middle schoolers Yeah, we would like kind of make fun of them while they were singing and stuff As as
1: much as I love that age group because I I work a lot of summer camps and that age group um, I like in particular because I'm just really good at like diffusing uh, I don't know it can tension be an adjective. No tension filled situations, but um, as much as I love that age group it's, uh, they're so stupid. They're so stupid. Okay, but
2: I think, I, th- <laughs> I
0: even think that it's condescending to a sixth grader to have them sing a lot of the, a lot of what was back then the, the middle school choir material. Yeah. And that, on top of that, I, I was in, I was in worship team, uh, Ooh. In middle school, I'm not sure if you know this little fun fact. No, I, I played bass in worship team in eighth I grade. I love
1: that. I love that. Um,
0: and that was that was not a fun experience because I was exposed to and had to play Christian music every day except for Thursday. Yes. And I like Like in eighth grade, I made this, I made this long video that was loosely tied to the assignment. We had to do a devotion, and you had to like most people just found a little one minute video mm-hmm. or they made a quick little video for the devotions. But I was I would always try to have fun with the videos for the combined class and the assignment was like how does god how does god like speak to us through like through like art or poetry or something mm-hmm. like that i made a 13 minute video about how much i hate christian music
1: oh my goodness I love and half that. the
0: class hated it and half oh, the class love loved it. it and for me it. it was cathartic yeah because i had been i had been subjected to it for so long well, all, the entire point of all of this is I'm building up that I was not a uh, a choir kid. Mm-hmm. I never sang, and it was always my opinion that when you're in elementary school and stuff, and there are talent shows, the people who sang, oh, okay, so you're uncreative. You're if you like that. That's just was my was my perspective. Mm-hmm. Is that if you just sang a song at a talent show, that's just uh, exhibit A that you're boring mm-hmm. because you're just singing a stupid song. Yeah, who it's cares? it's
1: the number one act that everyone does. Like think of something else.
0: Yeah. And so Josh was like, Frank, you should do choir. And I was just like, no. And he said, come on, you, you should really do choir. And I was like, of course not. So, sorry, Like, I'm, I'm glad you're doing choir. But, <laughs> And I, uh, I got home and I was talking to my dad about this dilemma that I had. And he, th- and he said, well, you know, choir might be a legitimate option. I brought up that Josh told me to do choir. And uh, I literally made a pros and cons list. And I decided. Well, let's see here. I have friends like I, Josh is my friend. He's in choir. So methodical. And uh, it would be. This was my dad's idea, not ah. my, not my freshmen yourselves. <laughs> Make no mistake. And for whatever reason, it just wound up working out that I decided to switch into choir. Mm-hmm. And I wound up liking it.
1: Yeah. And then you went and, through this like entire transformative process. And
0: now I'm still in choir. Yep. I'm it's not like, suck it it's it's <laughs> battered wife syndrome it is like an abusive relationship mm-hmm. I keep coming back for more and I don't <laughs> know why
1: uh, I mean I will be in there next semester I just had to take a fucking PE credit this semester which I'm enjoying Dance it's fun Miss um, Angelique Navarro is a beach she's great
0: can we just talk about the fact that her name is an adjective? I know she tells <laughs> everyone to pronounce it an Angelique, but it's mm-hmm. angelic. I know. Why would you name yeah. your kid it's, an adjective? It's spelled yeah, angelic. It's, it's not. If, you, if it was Angelique, it would be A N G E L I Q U E.
1: Yes, exactly. Which I think about every single time I say thank you, yeah. Miss Angelique. It's thank
0: like thank you, Angelic. You could just be yeah. like Angel something. Yeah. Although that's kind of like a like a Mexican guy's name, but
1: <laughs> Angel. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, that's my that's how I started doing choir. Yeah and then i got kind of i got kind of obsessed with it
1: yeah you've talked about on. it in uh the, like every
0: single podcast yeah the yes. podcast
1: with nick and the podcast with josh i remember most notably mm-hmm. was uh you told like the whole story from beginning yeah. to end which i like hearing i like hearing that story
0: you were in Corral with me i was yes freshman year what was what was it like to have um, me fucking it up for everyone Elise else at
1: least cody did not like you rta oh. <laughs> i'm so sorry i thought you were Really like a very interesting person. Like Mm -hmm. I I, I could feel the energy from you. I was like, wow, this guy is Like an individual and I love individuals uh, people who have their own opinions and have their own interests and are just like yes I like this thing Hard stop and I just love that and I was like wow this person has You know opinions and drives and I really appreciate that and I don't remember how you sound I'm sure you remember how you sound, and you say you were bad, and I'm not going to like dispute with you. I do not remember how you sound, mm-hmm. but um,
0: you were in the Alta section. I was in the bass section. Yeah. <laughs> we minded our own business. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, I couldn't hear you over the sopranos. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I I don't know. I just I I never talked to you. Yeah, I did not. You talk to you. Uh,
0: you did talk to me, maybe a couple times, but like not significantly.
1: Yeah, maybe like, hello. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't remember much. I I got to know you. Mostly through the class dances and this year in particular even though. We've never had a class together Except for choir except in for freshman chemistry. year Chemistry and but I never saw you because we never switched seats and you were directly in front of me four seats mm-hmm. you were in the front.
0: I gave you your red pens though. Yes. I, w- I <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> was our red
1: pens um, But I don't know I've gotten to more, know you majoritively through this class dance in particular and I don't know how else I don't know I just know you better yeah. than I have in the past
0: um so what did Elise say about me? Now I, now let's get Elise. into the nitty gritty because uh, I do not care about saying the names of people who were mean to me in choir of I mean, previous I, years. I, Fuck you all. I don't I want to tell you things
1: that are going to make you feel bad about yourself. No, just
0: tell me. Like, I already, trust me, I already feel bad about myself now, but if you oh, think no. that I don't already feel bad about myself when I was a freshman, Frank, I have no.
1: Frank, people love and appreciate you and you shouldn't feel bad about
0: yourself. Okay, thank you. But me freshman year, <laughs> maybe that's a different story. <laughs> <Okay. soul. laughs> Okay, like I'm so far removed from him that you can bash him all you want. (laughs) Okay, she she said um, 2014?
1: 14? 2014, Frank?
0: Uh, 16 and 17.
1: Yeah, okay. 2016, Frank, she thought was irritating, too nasally, and had a fake vibrato.
0: I didn't even... (laughs) Okay, I probably did have a fake vibrato. That's what I can remember. But whenever, okay, but when every single example of a good choir student is like, woo, 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 you think that I'm you think that maybe I'm going to try to do that? You think that yeah. if you're setting the example and you've ne- literally never sang a straight tone or I've never heard you do it in your entire life that wasn't for one sixteenth note that maybe I wouldn't try to emulate that because you're supposed to be the model for what we're going to be? Holy shit. <laughs> So at least
1: Cody went to college to major in opera music. For those of you <laughs> listening at home, um, yeah, <laughs> everything you said was correct.
0: <sighs> yeah, I
1: feel like that was very cathartic for you.
0: It, it, it I, I, I don't know. I, I, always have a like a false, especially in in choir because I have had like I talked about on the Josh podcast like experiences where people are really frustrated with me mm-hmm. that like I, I, I have. You know just this you know perception that they're all that they're all like oh god Fr- frank showed up today well now we're all gonna be thrown off by his too loud and off pitch uh, singing
1: i mean i don't remember anybody saying that but
0: mm-hmm. you know so like i i i probably sometimes do have a false sense of of catharsis um you know if i get if i get to just like be mean to the people who i think were mean to me mm-hmm. which is probably which is probably pretty messed up well i
1: mean elise cody was in general a mean person mm-hmm. she was not polite <laughs> um i don't know she she would talk smack about anybody she wanted and i do not like talking smack about people i'm sure i've talked smack about a few people even in even in this podcast Yeah, like elise cody like elise cody well i mean i don't feel bad about talking smack about mean people and she was not nice but i'm, I'm trying really hard to not talk badly about people because i don't think it's a good habit to have mm-hmm. um even like yourself, I don't. I don't think people should talk badly about themselves, even in a joking sense, because on some level, it stems from a, a true thought. You know. Yeah. Um. That's why I stopped and was like, "Stop it." Okay. <laughs> um, not not to like boss you around because I I don't want to do that either. I just think it's valuable for people to be nice to themselves. Okay. Um. Yeah.
0: Hmm. At least
1: Cody wasn't nice.
0: <laughs> now you know. <laughs> the more you know. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, that was uh, yeah. I remember uh, sophomore year at the mm-hmm. end. Now we're just getting into like talking about choir stuff, and anyone who wasn't in choir, yeah, sorry, is just gonna be totally <laughs> alienated. This yeah. is exactly what they tell you not to do. But uh, uh, Jack gave me the most improved award because oh. for a deaf person, if you were if you couldn't hear, mm-hmm. I was indisputably the most improved because <laughs> I had like I had documented evidence because mm-hmm. I started doing. I started practicing for 30 minutes a day and I would mm-hmm. upload the audio, I would record that, upload the audio of that to a Google Drive folder oh, for accountability. Cool. Right? So I literally, I, so cool. I could like literally prove in court that I was the most, I was the most driven to improve.
1: That shows like such a strong work ethic. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, that was like the only thing sophomore year that I had <laughs> any sort of a work ethic for. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, so And, and uh, so that was at like the VPA awards mm-hmm. night That I got the award But then the, uh, the next day or whatever was the next It must have been a Monday mm-hmm. in choir uh, Jack mentioned he was like Hey so someone in our class uh, got the most improved award Blah 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 And the, talking about most improved And everyone was looking around like Oh shit Paul got an award I didn't know Paul- And then <laughs> <laughs> And then it was like And that person is Frank Hurley And everyone was like Oh 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 good congratulations <laughs> Oh man that's yeah, I remember. I remember funny. like auditioning for solos and complaining to Josh afterwards like I was listening very intently. My applause decibels were significantly lower than anyone else. <laughs>
2: oh. oh man.
0: <laughs> Which I mean it's it's all in my head. Mhm. And I already talked about this at length with Josh, but mm-hmm. like what else am I going to talk about? I don't know. Well, I'm sure yeah, there's lots of stuff, but this is what came to mind now.
1: Yes. We can talk about work ethic more.
0: Worth, worth. Okay. Work ethic. Work ethic. Um, I
1: don't have good diction in my everyday life.
0: <laughs> only when singing.
1: Only when on stage, when I need to have
0: correct diction. Here's the problem, though. You're kind of on stage right now. You're a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. It's kind of like a live performance, in a sense. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got, I go back and forth on work ethic, because like, it, it, it's. Uh, there's a there's a, a scene in the musical where not Bryce mm-hmm. talks to me uh is like hey did you hear you know Josh was talking about how it's kind of messed up that people who are more intelligent we uh we have sympathy for but people who just naturally have a have a like less of a work ethic or are just naturally lazier they don't get really any they don't get any like uh sympathy or accommodation from mm-hmm. today's society and that's it was a series that was a thing that Josh actually said to me sophomore year uh, during CCS Honor Choir, mm-hmm. and I just remember thinking in my head. Like it, I, I, interpret it as a, oh well, thanks, Josh. You're good to know that I'm genetically predisposed to be lazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, 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 had it. Uh, I, I had this, this optimistic view for so long that you could improve your work ethic. But mm. no, it turns out it's just like being smart or not smart. You're just, oh. You just, you just kind of have it. I and, mean,
1: <laughs> I mean, I find myself uh, having a, a much better work ethic this year than last year,
0: and mm. I don't know why. I've, I just I've, I've been worse. I've gotten so much. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think it's because I'm so conscious of not getting senioritis that I'm like, okay, you're going to do much more than you have in past years. Mm-hmm. So I have.
0: All right, well, I mean, that's one way to do it.
1: Yeah, particularly with with comedy, to loop it back around. Um, I just, not before my conversation with Cody, I just opened like a, a notes in my phone and whenever I thought something was funny, I would type it down or like would think something funny. I would just type it down and I didn't even realize that that's like what, yeah. comedians you've do. He's got a big
0: base of material that you Yeah, I
1: I out. I had like this huge dock of material that I could potentially make like one of those Netflix specials out of. Not not that I am anywhere <laughs> near as talented as anyone on Netflix cuz I'm not. I am 17 years old and I am
0: uh not a prodigy.
1: <laughs> I'm not a prodigy. I'm ba- I'm borderline illiterate at this point. But um as Mr. Gentleness Yes, <laughs> now that now that we know <laughs>
0: for a while I thought that I could read but apparently not (laughs) but
1: Mr. Gentleman politely actually not politely said you guys cannot read Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like thank you Nathan I didn't know (laughs) genuinely um but no, that—that's what I was like. Oh, I was already doing. What he should have is wrote work. it on the
0: whiteboard. You guys cannot read. <laughs> you
1: guys can't read. <laughs> and we're all like, wait, what does that say? I am Jared Mr. nineteen. Gentleman,
0: Mr. Jenslin <laughs> what do those symbols on the blackboard mean? I can't decipher them. Uh, uh,
1: and then when we all looked at each other, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think he—he he he was been, like, well, wait. <laughs> it you cannot read <laughs> no I mean he clarified he was like you just don't understand what you're reading yeah. you can like see the sentence and know what it says but you don't know what it means and I was like okay thank that's you. interesting
0: why do I get sevens on the essays then your theory's <laughs> starting to fall apart oh man
1: oh, he is such a just like a passively wrong person sometimes you know
0: <laughs> okay so what were you talking about
1: uh work ethic and how...
0: Uh, your notebook full of... Uh, oh,
1: yes. My notebook full of uh, amateur comedy sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sketches, but, you know, bits. bits. Uh, ah. What's the word? Jinx. <laughs> I forgot the word. Um, but I don't know. I was doing all of this work for a career that I wasn't even pursuing and didn't know that I was doing the work for. It, it's like doing a, a an experiment for chemistry just on your own time, just be like, I wonder what happens when I do this. And then Miss Tara is like, Wonderful, you discovered an element.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and not that I discovered, you know, some sort of revolutionary technique in comedy because I haven't, but um, you know, it's the same sort of thing where you're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's one of the things where when Cody was like, Why don't you consider doing comedy? I was like, Huh. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, the kind of like, Huh. And then your brain is empty for 30 seconds Because it's just like click, 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 click You know Loading screen
0: Yeah, I've just not been able to resist The temptation of Stagnation (laughs) If that makes any sense Like I I genuinely feel like I was harder working last year And what's interesting is that academically i've been fine my junior Mm. and senior year like freshman and sophomore year is a different story my (laughs) junior senior year like i've i've maintained above a 4.0 like i'm fine uh like grade wise Mm -hmm. but that hasn't really had much of a correlation of how how much i feel i'm actually getting done and being productive
2: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah which is you know frustrating yeah Yeah. Yes. So Frank has this wonderful picture of a cat on his wall that looks so, dare I say, sensual? Just such a, okay, okay, you guys can't see it. Uh, Maybe the camera, no.
0: Well, okay, my mouse pad, <laughs> as I was showing Madison earlier, now yes. it's gonna be out of focus. No, you can actually see it. My mouse yeah. pad is also the same picture of, uh, of our cat. And so that's what that looks like. Just
1: fantastic. It just it's you, you know um when you see a poster for a DreamWorks com- uh, movie and they just have that certain face you know like one eyebrows up and it's like a little smirk and you're like what are you up to what are you up to huh what are you gonna do it's the same face it's the same face
0: yeah that's a that's a good picture I think yeah. um that's that cat a, has plans that's of our cat uh Scully Scully um
1: after like the TV show
0: um yes they thought it Cause. was a, they thought it was a girl <laughs> So they named it after Dana Scully, but yeah. then they found out that that him and Hot Dog were both male.
1: Hot Dog Adorable.
0: Hot Dog was the other cat. Yes. Um they were the they, they were the best cats ever. Scully was Scully lived a lot longer, so I kind of was closer to him by the mm-hmm. end. And anyone who thinks that they have the best cat ever, you are wrong.
1: Yeah, I've never had a cat. I want one so bad. I have two big dogs and like four fish. Mm. Never a cat. I want a cat so bad. Cats are superior. And I know that being a dog owner. So everyone who says cats aren't superior.
0: (laughs) Have you ever noticed dog people, like cat people think dogs are cool. But Mm -hmm. dog people hate cats.
1: I know. I know.
0: Like what's up with that? I, I don't know. What could possibly inspire, besides some traumatic childhood event, what could inspire you to just have a vitriol for cats?
1: I do have a real answer for that. It's because... Dog owners are so used to getting love without working for it yeah. from dogs that they don't understand that you have to build a relationship with a cat. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, pe- like, people all the time just think, well, cats don't care about you. Yeah. Cats are just right. totally cold and heartless, which is not true. Yeah. You want to know a story about Scully? Mm-hmm. So I was in eighth grade, mm-hmm. and his, uh, his health was declining. And it was a long, difficult road of, like, you know this this health problem started popping up, and this health problem started popping yeah. up, and like he would, there would be these uh these like bladders of bile that would build up in his body. And he would get all like like he would look like he was pregnant, and then we had to drain all of the so like sad. liquid out of it. There were a couple of visits to the vet where we had to do that, and it mm-hmm. was it just got uh like it just got like sadder and sadder, and you could mm-hmm. see that he was getting worse and worse, and yeah. so like by, by the end, and at this point he was he was sixteen, and he was always a uh he was always like a, like a super active, you know, cat who would, uh, who, he was, uh, so we had two cats. My parents got them a couple of years before I was born. Mm-hmm. And so they were like the first children of the family, right? And so hot dog, the, 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 the one who died first mm-hmm. and he died when I was six was always more uh was always like the more people friendly cat so he mm-hmm. would like stay indoors and he would uh like you know sleep in our beds and we would pet him and stuff and he yeah. would always be hanging around the house whereas scully would just always be outside in, in the yard and the yeah. shed killing she rats and stuff yeah. yeah and then as soon as as soon as hot dog died scully like filled his role he started becoming way more That's of so like a, of like an inside the home cat and he would always like back when we were homeschooled he would always uh kind of like make himself involved we always like to say that he uh, he liked to control the papers mm-hmm. because if there were any if there was ever any loose uh paper or something like that he would have to get up on the on the table and I'd be like oh darn he's he's laying down on my math textbook <laughs> mom I can't do math homework oh, like, and I just fun. get to pet the cat mm-hmm. and so he he was like very he was very like up and about and around and involved with everything mm-hmm. and uh like by the end of it, he was just living in the bathroom,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and he was like he was he was on his way out. And mm-hmm. we all knew that. And yeah. it was like a matter of time is like, is he just going to pass away or are mm-hmm. we going to euthanize him or like what? We didn't know what was next. Yeah. And so I got up one morning to go to school. And when my mom was driving me back from school, she said, I think uh, I think Scully's gone. I think Scully died. And she told me what happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is just like a BTFO to every single uh dog person who thinks that cats are emotionless and don't get attached to you so Mm -hmm. my mom and dad were in their room like getting ready for bed that Mm -hmm. night says my mom and uh Scully was living in a in like a different bathroom across the house and he and he had not been like moving out or like getting away from there and he would could just like barely vocalize anymore Mm -hmm he walked in he walked all the way into their room and was like meowing super loud with like a particularly emotional meow because mm-hmm. cats have different timbres of the of their meow and like purring super loud which he hadn't done in a, in a while and my dad was in my parents' bathroom and then my mom was in their bed and he went and like he went in to see my dad first and he's like meowing and purring at him and then he went to go see my mom and then my dad got into bed and they were like they were like petting him and he was purring super loud and like Basically remembering all the fond memories that they had of him, and uh, they said that like after a long time of that, after of him being going from like you he was just like distant, and you look into his eyes and there's and there's nothing there to like be totally being attentive and seeming all lively again in these mm-hmm. last moments. He jumped down from their bed, and it was sim- oddly enough, it was like symbolically raining outside hmm. at night, and he walked out of there little sliding glass door into the yard and we never saw him again and so he decided that it was his time to go Mm -hmm. which sounds so cliched but it's like literally what happened and he said goodbye to my parents
1: yeah
0: and uh yeah cats do you do have relationships with cats it does happen
1: yeah and it's so painful when a pet dies Mm because they're not just like an animal you know they're they're part of your family yeah and it hurts it hurts so much when they Mm
0: -hmm. die no my cats were like my cats were my first real friends mm-hmm. like i had I had a stronger connection with my cats for the longest time than any person outside of my like my yeah. parents
1: me too, with my my childhood dog. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember in fifth grade, yeah, fifth grade, um I had a dog named Chelsea, and she lived to be seventeen, and so she was around before I was around. My parents got two dogs, uh they were born in the same letter, like uh, brother and sister and Tucker the the boy died when I was in like preschool. Like I do n- I don't remember him. I don't. Um and Chelsea died much later. And so she when when I was like upset, she she acted much more like a cat than a dog when I remember her mannerisms. And like you know, you you had to earn her love and like the dogs I have now, they're they're well and fine and I love I love them. I love them a lot. But they're they're dogs. And Chelsea was just like my companion. Like I loved her so much. And I remember doing my math homework at the table and she would always lay like right near the front door. Cause um, the way my house is set up, you can see down the hallway and into the living room. So like at the majority of the house from a certain angle right in front of the front door. And so she would always lay there to be able to see the majority of the action in the house. And I remember like she just hadn't moved from that spot for like three days and she hadn't eaten. And she like couldn't like get up to go to the bathroom. So she was just like, you know, going where she was laying. And it was so painful for me. And I didn't really, like like the people at school didn't really understand, because a lot of them didn't have pets. I don't know why, um, even though it's a super common thing to have pets. I remember being really upset, just being like, my dog's dying. And I remember someone going, I can't remember who it was. And they were like, yeah, they do that. <laughs> and I was like, okay and I yeah I remember being picked up like she had been she was 17 she lived a full long life for a dog especially a big dog because big dogs don't live as long as little dogs yeah and um, you know she had been like that for like two weeks and my parents did not want to euthanize her because they they just couldn't they couldn't do it and like she was older than my older sister and so um, I was picked up from school one day and we got in the car And we went to a gas station, and my dad turned to my mom and was like, do you want to tell her? And my mom was like, no, I don't want to. And I was like, what's going on? And um, my dad turned to me and was like, Chelsea died today. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't think I had a full grasp on death at the time. Like I knew that she was gone and I couldn't see her, but it felt like she was just like on a vacation, you know? Like I, I, she would come back and I'd be like, okay. Mm -hmm. She's gone for now, but I can see her. And, um. You know, it, it didn't feel final. It doesn't have the finality that death does now. And um. I remember like a month later being so upset. I was like, How, why, why isn't she here? Where is she? And my parents were like, well, honey, she died. And I don't know. I, I, it was just so upsetting. It was so upsetting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pets dying is really sad. Uh, yeah. All you people who don't have pets
1: <sighs> Sorry, I'm <missed> out. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's it, a- Trust it. me. It's worth it like this. It's worth this. it. <laughs> it's so worth it It's so worth it. There's so mm-hmm. much love and there's no communication. Yeah, Physi- like verbal communi- communication It's just such a special bond.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: please get a pe- Please get a pet. Even a fish. I get so weirdly attached to my fish. You do. Yeah, my first fish lived for seven years.
0: I've never had like a, like really had like one of the mm-hmm. s- like small like zero communication pets. Yeah. Or do you do you communicate with your fish?
1: You can put your finger on the tank and they'll follow it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> but uh, so you can like write out little words <laughs> and stuff. And...
1: Yeah. The most, my first fish I won at Monterey County Fair, and uh, you know he was tiny, had little stripes on him, and I remember being like mom i got a fish and i wasn't with my parents when i won him i think it was a dude i don't know i I always was like him so you know in my brain the fish is a guy could have been a girl i don't know but um they were like oh guess we have to go buy a tank so we bought a tank and i named him speedy because he was very fast Mm -hmm. and so i would do my homework at the kitchen table and uh speedy the fish was always like one foot to my left like when i was bored i would just look over and watch him swim and so he was a little pal to me uh, not as much as Chelsea, but, you know, a significant yeah. presence. And so he was there for, he lived for seven years. That is a long time for a yeah, tiny a little, little fish. fair fish, especially a fair fish. And so when he died, um, that was after Chelsea. It was soon after Chelsea. So I was just like, oh, geez. oh too Two much, too much. I was so sad for like a few months. Um, and my life is has not been like, you know, picture-perfect. I've been sad sometimes, and but I I just decided not to show it, which is, you know, weird. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, as a kid, I, I was in, on the inside, I was so sad, but on the outside, I was like, hi, guys. Hi, how mm-hmm. are you? Um, Because that was just what was expected of me. I was always seen as, like, the optimistic one, and I still am. I'm seen as generally optimistic, generally pretty nice, at least I think so um actually actually <laughs> this is
0: why you're on the podcast we have to break it you.
1: <laughs> intervention time um yeah madison you're actually a terrible person mm-hmm. we have been trying to tell you for the last four years and it's just been too much i'm sorry yeah, we, none of us <laughs> had
0: the heart to break it to you
1: <laughs> but, so we uh, put
0: frank on the case
1: yeah which is so interesting like uh i want i want to shift from death um how like you perceive yourself versus how other people perceive yourself yeah perceive I, you. I think
0: I think it's kind of like a fun mystery yeah you know you're like how do people perceive me I yeah. don't know but uh, yeah that's I guess that that's kind of my take on it mm-hmm. I th- I think that I, I think that in our society there's a little bit too much advice of uh, don't let what other people think affect you yeah. or like <laughs> it, it, people other people's opinions of you don't mm-hmm. matter That's just not true. It's
1: not true. It it, it forms your whole life, what people think of you. That's
0: what I've always said, is that the human, the the amount, all the people that know me in Mm -hmm. aggregate, if you average out all their opinions of me, is going to be more accurate than the person who's never even seen myself. (laughs) I've never met me. Yeah, exactly. I've only ever, well, actually, I did kind of meet myself once. This was a disturbing... Oh, do tell. So I was setting up for this uh, podcast yeah. right, right when I was like, we were trying to do it with the D3200, mm-hmm. with the different camera as opposed to the webcam. And so in order to test to see that it was working and the audio was working, the video was working, we had it streaming privately on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then I was signed in on like my dad's phone mm-hmm. to my account so that I could see the stream. The problem is there's a seven second delay. Ah. So I had it right there and I would say, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just testing. Does the audio work? Well, I don't know. I just thought the busy <laughs> audio work. and it was this. It was one of the scariest things. Like I, <laughs> oh my, oh man,
2: that's so great. yeah. That
0: that was the cl- that was literally the closest I've ever come to actually oh having goodness. to confront myself. Gosh. And then eventually, I would try to go like ah, uh, ah, uh, and like try to like try to <laughs> harmonize with myself. That's so funny.
1: Uh, I I that came out so sarcastic. That is very funny. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, but, you know, like what we were saying is that I I don't actually have a, I don't think that I have a very clear perception of myself. So it's not, like, it's literally not my place to have an, Mm -hmm. I think that self-esteem is a myth. Mm -hmm. I I think that it's a, why on earth would the person who is least, I I think, like, uh, least set out to actually give some sort of uh, objective bias, uh, unbiased opinion of yourself Mm -hmm. is you. Why yeah. would you trust that person with having some sort of like an opinion or evaluation? Mm-hmm. I don't really have an opinion of who I, of who I am like you know sort of do, but I try to leave that to the people around me
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean for for as long as I can remember, people have always said like You know, you're so nice. You're so good with adults. And I I was like, oh, I'm nice and I'm good with adults Mm -hmm. And so then I I like formed my personality about being nice and being good with adults And then it's
0: like a chicken or the egg type (laughs) thing Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's it's so weird.
0: Yeah, that's interesting I'm talking to one of those people who were nice when they were kids. Yeah, I was not I was not nice like I was I was thinking I might be kind of the exact opposite because maybe I'm looking at my early childhood and mid-childhood through like rose-tinted glasses mm-hmm. and maybe I remember it more fondly than it actually was. But like on the whole, I was kind of pretty much fine. Mm-hmm. Like stuff would happen and I would be mad or I would be, you know, I, like I I would get like super angry about stuff and super invested and, and sad. But like overall, I felt, I didn't feel like a, the deep a deep, dark despair, mm-hmm. like 80s music or anything like that. <laughs> Um, but on the outside, I was just like, I was, I was, I was just like, you try to talk to me, and then I, I just completely, I, I was the absolute worst at a, at like church mm-hmm. when uh, the all these old people that you don't know and you don't have any sort of a relationship with, you're like, how are you doing, Frank? Like, <laughs> what, what uh, and they ask you, oh my god, the worst question, you, the worst, it's not even a question, the worst thing you can ever say to a kid. Can I guess? Yes.
1: You've grown so much. Since <laughs> yes! That. You got it right!
0: That is a non-conversation starter. And I'm genuinely curious I, I like I, I wanted it I was kind of on my bucket list as a little kid to yeah. just like blow up on some innocent old lady who asked me that. I want who told me that at one point to just be like, let me ask you something. Were you ever a kid? I assume that you remember being a kid.
2: A
1: little bit, yes.
0: Were you enthralled if someone had asked, if someone had told you, wow, you've grown so much since I last saw you? Would would you be would you be itching to like dive into that? Would that be a mentally stimulating conversation? Yeah, thank
1: you, thank you, thank you. I, I went from size four to size five. Really? Dude.
0: Did you know that? Because Converse, once you go from past five, past yeah. size
1: four, you have to pay more for the shoe. Did you know? Did you know, Miss Smith, that now I have to pay more for shoes because I don't have size four feet anymore? Did you know? <laughs> you don't seem interested. What's you nice asked. though,
0: <laughs> what's nice though, is that I have is I I don't have it like printed or anything, but I've been the same height for like two years.
1: I've been the same height since I was in sixth grade.
0: So I have like printable medical evidence that I really should keep in my pocket or something next time person says Oh, you've gotten so much taller. Actually you last saw me on April 13th 2018 at which point I was 5'11". I'm still 5'11". I I swear there are official medical records that can prove that I am not growing taller anymore. Oh
1: my goodness. Yeah.
0: Ugh. what were we old even talking about I
1: have no clue old people are weird
0: we just oh we just uh, started criticizing boomers we're such uh we're going with the
1: oh no <laughs> I'm uh sorry to to bring up a uh you know intense topic right now yeah. there are so many comments online of people being so defensive of being called boomer I don't know I watch a lot of YouTube and just the comments are filled with like like one person says okay boomer and then you see like the drop down one hundred and forty three comments and I'm like and it's all like you're so ignorant how dare you judge someone for being an age and it's
0: like I love how I love how uh, like all of the uh, all of the generation gap things mm-hmm. that used to be very simple mm-hmm. it, it, for all of history there was juvenilia. There was, the old people think the young people are doing terrible. Mm -hmm. And the young people are like, screw you, old people. Mm -hmm. But now it's gotten so much more complex because everyone's self-aware about it now. Like, millennials are the first generation Mm -hmm. to say, well, actually, you're only worried about our perspective, blah, 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 (laughs) as a generation, because of a psychological effect known as juvenile. But I cannot wait for when the, the millennials are like in their forties and fifties and they're complaining about the younger generation yep. because they will,
1: they will, they will hate us. Yes,
0: And it's going to be so funny.
1: Yeah, it's going to be so funny.
0: Like I'm, I'm going to hate, I'm, I'm going to be really worried about my grandkids generation. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. just how it's, I just have to accept that.
1: Oh, the children are the future. Yep. <laughs> and they will And us. this time, yes.
0: They're all screwed. All the other generations that were stupid kids, they wound up fine, but this time <laughs> This time. This one is special.
1: It, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh. So people's yeah. perception of you. People's perception what was that you. all about?
1: Um I don't know. Uh, do I have time to get into a little bit of a long story?
0: Uh try.
1: Okay. So, um, okay. I grew up, I have an older sister who's nine years older than me and an older brother who is, um, one year older than me. I don't know why that took me so hard. to, That was hard for me to figure out. Um, but my family has never had, um, a fantastic dynamic because my brother was, please don't get sad. (laughs) Thank you. Um, my brother has a terminal illness and it's, you know really shaped the dynamic of my childhood and my life right now and my whole family and for the longest time my my family was like you know this is really sucks but we have you you're positive you know Mm. you're you're the one who you know court courtney's off at college she doesn't need us anymore but you're the one but his brain he can't like talk it's like talking to a three-month-old Um, it you know it kind of similar to autism but you know worse and so I don't know. It's always been like, you're the optimistic one, you're the one who's, you know, go get 'em tiger. You're, you know, so my, the perception of my parents to me has been, you know, you're the one who um, whose emotions are are stable, and we can vent to you, which is so damaging to a kid. Uh, when parents vent to their children, it's just awful. Um, and you know, for the, so then I got this complex of like, I'm not allowed to show my emotions and I have to be, you know, optimistic and happy and strong all the time. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I have been working through it. The, la- the last two years in particular, I've been like, I am allowed to ask for help and I am allowed to not be happy all the time. I'm allowed to, um, you know, say my opinion sometimes and you know that's been really cool but it it has really shifted my perspective on myself because now i after you know I- intense introspection i know that my childhood was majoritively performance you know for other people mm-hmm. and um this podcast has been really like up down up down in emotions yeah. <laughs> really uh and so i i'm trying really hard now to do things for the sake of me you know, because mm-hmm. I haven't had that freedom for a long time. Um, I don't know. It, it's, you know, everyone's uh, challenges are different. Yeah. And um, no one's conflict in their life is should be valued more over someone else's. And it's not a competition in like, oh, I am so much more mentally ill than you. I am so much. I had so much of a, a worse childhood. Um, so I don't want it to be like that I don't want to be like a a dick measuring contest and how sad I am Yeah. because I'm not sad anymore the last two years I've been remarkably better in a mental space and I am really really grateful for that Um, but I think that being told what you are for the majority of your life doesn't allow you to form it yourself Mm
0: -hmm. you know yeah it's interesting because like I think I I kind of have the opposite problem and i always hate referring back to previous podcasts but mm-hmm. like josh was talking about mm-hmm. something kind of similar where he was always a total people pleaser mm-hmm. when he was when he was younger and he now kind of realizes that a lot of his childhood and what he said and did were performance mm-hmm. and they weren't genuine it's like I genuinely don't think i have that problem mm-hmm. and it's at the cost of i was a total dick when I was a kid
1: yeah which is okay everyone has their flaws going up
0: mm-hmm. and but like but the result is that I was also like genuine mm-hmm. when I when I was younger like I was being and so when a kid is being themselves yes. it's not going to be a very pleasant experience no. but in, now hopefully I can kind of calibrate that and and I f- I feel like I'm a little bit less performing and trying to mm-hmm. put on some act now than people lament to me that they are I'm not going to say well that that's not really what they're like <laughs> they're just they're, they're they're just uh putting on something for the sake of pleasing everyone else mm-hmm. but like people have talked to me as like that's one of their that's one of their major issues that they feel like is that they they have trouble being who they are. It's
2: mm-hmm.
0: like not flex or anything but I like that's not yeah. <laughs> my issue and i like I, I have all the other same issues like yeah. i i i am x and x and x thing that makes everybody sad and yeah. gets me down it still gets me down yeah. but like not that one. and i mm-hmm. i'm sure that i have other you know other uh you know pr- problems and And difficulties that that come with that are a trade-off.
1: Yeah, not to like quote aesthetic Tumblr, but like everyone is at a different place in their self-actualization journey. And, you know, I I don't want to talk like, you know, some Tumblr 13-year-old who's like, everyone's at a different spot in their self-actualization journey. But it's true.
0: Yeah. You know, and... Um, Sometimes, the th- <laughs> Sometimes the Tumblr 13 year old have something valuable to say.
1: Sometimes the Tumblr 13-year-old is right. <laughs> um, as much as they're going to just bust a load hearing that. And, uh, you know, ev- it it's not so much as everyone starts at a different point along the X-axis in their journey, but it's just that, like, it's more of like a spider web. Like, you hit different points, and... Um, Eventually, you're gonna get to the middle, maybe not. But, um, you know, you hit the different points and the points that you hit are really important. And it doesn't matter how bad they were or how good they were, because all of them were, you know, as important to forming you as they were important to forming me. And we're, you know, I'm so grateful that s- people are different because mm-hmm. if they weren't different, it would be so boring. Yeah. You know, And it doesn't, it but it, it does matter, but it doesn't matter how I became the person I am. Because, you know, as long as as people are like good and nice and just being genuine, I think that everyone has value. And it does not, you know, to reference the trauma dick measuring, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter. As long as you're a good person and that you contribute something to the people around you. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's important.
0: All right. Well, everybody listening. Um, sometimes the Tumblr-thirteen-year-olds th- have uh, some stuff to some stuff to impart. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we can don't don't kill the messenger.
1: No, don't kill the messenger.
0: And uh, we've pretty much got to wrap it up. But yeah.
1: What did we learn today, Frank?
0: God, what did we learn? Um, Chemistry. That Molly Ringwald's name is Molly. Molly Ringwald.
1: Ringwald's name is Molly Ringwald.
0: <laughs> I was getting pretty scared there for a second. Uh, yeah. and I just drew a total blank.
1: Uh, all right.
0: And so if, hey, you learn something new every day, and if that was our contribution to you, who's the red-haired girl from The Breakfast Club and like every other John Hughes movie, well, there you go.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been awesome.
1: Yeah, stay beautiful.
0: Now I've got to hit stop.